Um, my question is, actually, I wanted to ask a question even before I heard Jordan. And Jordan, uh, uh, even right now, is even more. <laughs> because uh, I always wondered, right, Chris, when you teach all those things about uh, hearing the other person, really understanding what's the motivation behind what their, act, uh, what their action is, uh, sometimes what I lose is what I, what, what I want. Um, and uh, Jordan just said uh, that he was really good at closing deals, right? And through uh, what I could uh, uh, learn from him, from obvious the movie, right? The world or the the Wolf of uh, Wall Street. He seems to to want his way. And uh, I was wondering how wanting your way. Um, can go along or can use the uh, teachings from uh, from Chris about knowing the other person or understanding and hearing out the other person? How do, how do the two come together? Well, I, I think what you're looking for there is sort of the intersection of those two things being accomplished. In other words, so if there's dissonance where, you know, what you want is not going to help the in a business setting, right, the client, then you probably ethically should not be trying to convince someone to do something that really is not in their best interest. So this idea that, you know, what do I want to accomplish? Okay, well, that's important, right? When that typically is a salesperson or a business owner, you know, whether you want to close a deal to make money or sign a contract that's going to further the, your business outcome in some way, right? The idea is that there should be alignment, at least some overlap, that what you want to accomplish and what the prospect has to do to help you accomplish that is in their best interest, right? Those should overlap. But to be clear, that what's going to close the deal, what's going to get the other person to say yes, is not because they want to help you accomplish what you want. They want to get what they want. They have certain goals or outcomes in mind. So it's very, very important that the case that you're making is not centered on your needs, but on filling the client's needs. And as a result of filling the client's needs, you fill your own needs as well. And if there's one way in which I, you know, what I did in my 20s when I was at Strand that, that was incorrect and actually was unethical was that very often I, I created situations where the needs were not aligned, which is not just me, which is mostly the, or I could say Wall Street. That's the definition of Wall Street, a place where the client's needs and the broker's needs are not aligned. This misalignment of needs. Brokers want to make commission. They want to gather assets. And very often the thing, pro, products and programs they get people to buy or participate in are not in their best interest. They're in the, the broker's best interest. All right. So one of the things I mentioned before was a book called The One Minute Salesperson. Right. And this was one of the first books I read. And, and really, if there's one takeaway from that book that I, that I really thought was just really powerful and, and uh, you know, sort of altered my own perspective on selling. Well, let's just say it clarified what intuitively I knew to be true or knew or was doing without even realizing it was walking in the customer's shoes, like it, realizing that, you know, a, but before, even before the sale started, knowing generally like what this other person would want to hear, what they, you know, what their outcomes, would, what would they be trying to accomplish, right? And then very quickly refining that, that, that idea I had into a very clear understanding of what this customer needed, what are their outcomes, what do they, where are their pain points? And the way you do that is by asking smart questions, and asking detailed questions and also making sure that you use the right tonalities when you ask those questions. Because if you use the wrong tonalities, you'll either 
turn people off or, or, you know, offend them in some cases. You'll come off as sort of the grand inquisitor type versus the trusted advisor that really, you know, I want to know, tell me what's going on, you know, with, with, with these issues here. You know, what's holding you, you know, what's your biggest pain for us in an empathetic understanding tone, you'll, 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 be far more likely to get the, an, an honest and the answer you're looking for than if you come off. So what's holding you back? What's, what's your biggest pain point? So it's, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. But clearly, this is accomplished by asking questions. You're not, n- none of us are mind readers. You know, yes, we can generally know that, you know, in, in most situations that, you know, what the average client is looking to accomplish by making this buying decision. But the only way to really get into this sort of, you know, a much higher level of certainty yourself that you know what the client wants is to ask them because you're not a mind reader. The biggest mistakes I've made as a salesperson in my life are when I fail to do that. And I assume I know what the person wants to accomplish. And I could even bring this back to hostage negotiation without even ever doing it, knowing that I better know exactly what this, this, these hotness, this, the person, what do you call it? The terrorist is it? I guess the, the hostage or the, the terrorist, right? What do they really want? You know, if you go in the thing, it's just money. Yeah. Like a funny example of that is Braveheart. I'm not Braveheart, no, no, uh, Die Hard, where, where like the, he, the, the terrorist is making them think that it's all about, I want 54 people freed from this place and the, the shining path. Right? He, he gives them all these bogus asks. All he really wants is to steal money. You know what I'm saying? So like, how is that negotiation going to end up? So as a negotiator in that situation, you need to really know what the hot the terrorists want, okay, what their real outcome, their highest level outcome is. And that's the thing you want to try to accomplish. No, thank you very much. Sometimes I lose myself when I try to understand uh, the other person too much, right? I, I don't I, think, I think when you do this, listen, just remember this, okay? And I'm sorry I cut you off here because the connection's a bit slow, so I thought you were done um, because you keep speaking after. But just remember this, that you, you, you often what you think someone really wants is not quite what they want. It's, uh, you're wrong as much as you're right in this. You have to ask questions and don't uh, – and you're, you're – own motivation should be clear to you, right? You know what those are. So focus on the other person. It's the intersection, the overlap that leads in a close that benefits both parties. And that's really sustainable and ethical. Thank you so much. Thanks, sure. Jordan. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you, Tiziana. Yeah, you're welcome. Question. Thanks. Great question. And Jordan, I got Gabrielle, I just want to jump in because, and, and then I'll throw it back to you. But Jordan, there's one thing that I'm, I'm really hearing and what you're talking about in that when you're asking questions, there's real curiosity with you. I mean, you're you're actually, actually curious as to what they're going to say. You're looking for some real keys as opposed to having stock answers. There's just genuine curiosity. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I, I always say to people that, like, you know, you need to become a professional question asker. And they say, how many questions should I ask? Not one more than you have to, but not one fewer than you have to. Like, you know, don't rush, don't rush it, but don't extend it for no reason. And also make sure that you follow a logical way of thinking. In other words, one of the most important skills that you need to master is a skill is follow-up questions. You ask a question and you might not get the answer you're looking for. You might get something back, but that might lead to a follow-up and then another follow-up that ultimately gets you the response or the intelligence that you need to acquire to either tailor your offer or find out if the person's even qualified or what their highest level pain point is. So it's really all about follow-up questions, not just rote questions. Rote questions serve as a basis, a roadmap to follow, but often the magic is in the follow-up questions. Yeah, 